your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, small business nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. My name's Andrew, obviously, hanging out with my good friend, John. John, howdy, howdy. Man. how are you, How are you doing today, Andrew? Oh, dude, it's a beautiful day. It it's is. the first week of the new year. I'm in hustle mode. I yes. am ready to uh, hit all of the goals that I've set for myself this year. You know, sometimes you have a New Year's resolution and you like kind of, you know, loosely get to it. I'm like determined this year yeah. to accomplish everything I've set out to accomplish. So I'm really excited about that. But like we always do, let's kick this thing off with a fun icebreaker. If you get a free shopping spree for the rest of your life, but the catch is you can only pick one store to shop from, what store would you pick and why? Ma'am, this question torments me when I have a Visa gift card. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I go? (laughs) I think think my first answer is going to be Sweetwater. I know that you can't get food or anything from there, but I feel like I could sell music gear for food. Yeah, you trade could. it for burritos or something. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, so I guess groceries or gear, the story groceries of my gear. life. That yeah, is. <laughs> 100%. Drew, how about you, man? I got to say Home Depot. Yeah. I live in All a 100-year-old right. you know, house, and there is, you know, oh, every weekend has yeah, at least one always. Home Depot trip, <laughs> and they sell food there. They don't sell good food there, they but do. they do sell, they sell sustenance. That's right. So you're not going to starve, you know, shopping at Home Depot. Yeah, that's awesome. That's true. Yeah, I think when we were, when we planned this question, uh, the original thought that came to my mind was something like REI, like an like a big outdoor store, because mm-hmm. I could get like survival gear, adventure gear. Although that they also sell food, but it's like foods in like you know those dry, freeze dried MRE yeah. style. You put water in it, type food. At least it's food. Um, because I didn't think of the whole smart idea that John had where you could trade things that you got at the other store. Like I just all assumed right. that like yeah. you could only go here. It's all you got. How do I how do I get the most? I guess probably the women in our lives would probably tell us Target would be the best place. They've got groceries, Absolutely. they've got home decor, they have things for most home projects. So, you know, I think there's a, a lot of good options out there, but I think good answers, guys. Good answers. Good. Well, we have got a crazy awesome guest for us. Mm-hmm. Today we have Drew Donaldson with Grow House. Drew is an entrepreneur who has built several small businesses. One of those, Grow House, a company who is helping business owners market their companies in a digital world and provide the guidance to help them grow their businesses. Drew leads the strategy and client services teams at Grow House. And today, we're excited to be talking business growth. Business growth. I can't even say business growth <laughs> with you. What's going on, Drew? Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Andrew. I'm, I'm pleased to be here and happy to be joining you guys. So I got to go back for a second because you talked to us just then in the icebreaker. You said something about this hundred old house. I got to hear about that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about <laughs> Tell us about yourself. So, tell us about where you came from and tell us about this hundred old house. So I actually live about 15 minutes from where I grew up in uh, rural Pennsylvania. And that yes. actually kind of happened by accident. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't like me moving back home because my family has actually moved since to New Jersey. A mm-hmm. few years ago, I, I was a corporate consultant working in Manhattan. And, um, you know, it's just uh, living in New York or I was actually living in Long Island. It's just really tough because you, you you make tons of money there. 
but it immediately all mm -hmm. goes out the door to expenses, right? Like right. you can't go out to eat for less than a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, your, your rent is t even out on the Island is $2,600 a month. The guy that took over our lease after we left was paying 32. So it's like, if wow. you're, if that much of your money's Golly. going out the door and you're not seeing mm -hmm. anything for it besides like a cramped 900 square foot, you know, <laughs> yeah, house, right. it's like, what am I doing here? So we, we were looking to move out to Pennsylvania and I was still working in Manhattan. So I was like, well, we need to be in like the Poconos. So we have to be right on the edge. So we get all the, the discounted cost of living that you don't get in New Jersey, but I'm still like a couple hours from the city. So we're going out one day and it's like a five hour trip. So we had had to book our, you know, board our dogs and we're going out to meet this realtor. And as we're crossing over into Pennsylvania, the realtor calls me and goes, oh, my kid's sick. I can't show you any houses today. And I'm like, are you kidding me, man? Like, oh, like four hours into this trip, like you're calling yeah. me now. And so I get off the phone and I tell my wife and I'm like, well, we're already in Pennsylvania at this point. We already paid the toll. So I was like, what do you yeah. want to do? Do you want to grab lunch or something? And, and we're like debating, should we just turn around? Should we go to my mom's house and visit her? And I go, you know what? It, it's like another hour, but I could show you where I grew up. That's kind of cool. You've never seen like where I actually like, you know, went to school and, you know, the house I grew up in and everything. She was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. So we were driving out on 78, which is like the, the, the main thoroughfare from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. We get off the exit. And immediately when you get off the exit into this area, it's just rolling cow pastures with cows and farms mm -hmm. and, you know, horse and buggies. It's a very rural area. And so we get off and we're going through and she's seeing llamas and cows. And she's like, I want to live here. And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, I, like, I mean, really? that, yeah, everyone sure. wants to live here. It's yeah. beautiful, but we can't yeah. live here. I mean, it's and she's like, no, no, no this is where we're going to live. We got to find a house here. Right here. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, because I'm doing a three hour commute into the city. But if that's what you want, you know, like that's, we'll make it work. Wow. So I worked it out with the company I was consulting for that I wouldn't have to come in and we found a house and it just so happened to be right down the street. So it's a, it's a Victorian, a, a late Victorian. And it's, it's, you know, I think it was originally built in like the late 1800s and it took like 20 years to build. Because you have the depression and World War One and all that stuff happening kind of okay. at the same time. So the house was built and kind of starts and stops. And one of yeah. the cool things was is after the house was actually finished, the Great the Depression really kicked into full swing. And it was immediately turned from a single family house into a boarding house. So there mm -hmm. was really cool things as we were tearing out walls and stuff that we found. Like the room I'm in used to be an apartment. This was one apartment of four inside the house that was shared so it had its own like kitchen and bath plumbing and all of that stuff that we found that's as awesome. we tore up the wall so that's it's a pretty cool, cool. house yeah. did that you find a... any newspaper clippings or yeah. anything under the carpet I oh yeah did i found so lebanon daily news is the local newspaper mm -hmm. around here and i found one in the walls that was talking about bootleggers in la like oh, that's awesome you know like the <laughs> the mob yeah. families out there bootlegging liquor and yeah, it was it was this whole thing about how they got caught and they, you know, so this is what one was prohibition 1920 something. So uh, yeah, 20s, something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was in the walls. It'd be and so then, cool to frame that and make your own little, you know, a speakeasy in there like that. would yeah. be so Oh, cool, yeah, man. that'd be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. What a, what a fascinating story. I think that just the fact that like it was just by happen chance that that happened yeah. and like that went down the way it did. Did your wife, I'm assuming your wife, did she live in the city growing up was country new to her or was she, did she yeah, grow up in country life too she, she was from she she grew up in san francisco and then her her dad was a corporate attorney with bank of america so okay. when bank of america moved in the 90s to charlotte she moved with them so she had always grown up in kind of 
ur- urban or semi-urban, I would say. Like, sure. not mm-hmm. rural suburban, but, like, you know, kind of in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she, this this whole kind of lifestyle was pretty new to her. Because, I mean, we're in a town where there's more cows than people. You know, yeah. they're, the, they're, they're about to put in a new development, and it will literally double the size of our town. Like, it's so yep. you can kind of imagine how Crazy. small yeah, just, and small it is. Yeah. it is. Um, so I think that was that was kind of new, especially since most of our life we had lived in cities uh, together. But we we adopted, a, you know, we adopted a very country mindset out here. And, you know, it's it's fine. It's good. I I, I really sure it's nice. Whenever anyone says, would you ever go back? I was like, not in a million years. I'd like wait, I like living <laughs> yeah. out here way too much. Yeah, it's like I bet it's like a nicer pace of life. Oh, right. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. That you kind of slow down and take a second to just like kind of reflect and like enjoy some, you know, especially as an entrepreneur, a business owner, like we get so, so overwhelmed with just like everything that's going on every day, every yeah. minute. And then you add in like the environmental effects like that can really take a toll on you. So, I mean, I bet that was a really cool change for you guys. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. It was really eye opening working because once, you know, obviously once I moved out here, I started looking for more clients in this area. And you're right. The pace of business is much different. But especially in, a, in a, a business like we're in where, listen, marketing is not an overnight journey, right? You you have to have mm-hmm. some patience with it. Yeah. I would find clients from L.A. and New York drop off far, far quicker than someone from the Midwest because they're used to being patient for stuff. You know, mm-hmm. people that live in, in these heavy urban areas that are used to getting instant service and, you know, Uber Eats their door in 15 minutes. Like if you order Uber Eats here, it takes an hour and a half. Like there's <laughs> there's no 20 minute delivery here. So yeah. like. People yeah. out here are just used to waiting for stuff, and it, it gives me the space I need to really execute to at a at a better level for them. That's that's, that's awesome, awesome, man. So how did how did you get your kind of how did you get first started in business in general? I mean, obviously you were consulting for a company at this time. Were you self employed or as a contractor, or were you actually an employee of them at the time? So it at different stages, different arrangements. Essentially, I started my business. I came from the media world. So I ran a production studio for the first five years of my life. And it was right at the dawn of YouTube business video on YouTube. So I just happened to be like right at the moment where businesses were looking around and like, hey, I think we need to start putting video together. (laughs) Like this is this seems like this isn't going (laughs) to stop anytime soon. And so I quickly like kind of made a made a mark for myself as someone who can come into businesses and teach them how to make video efficiently and this is before cell phone cameras or anything. So it was more like, listen, if you're going to spend seven grand hiring a video crew, here's how to make the most of that time. So that you're not wasting yeah. that money. And here's what you should shoot versus what you shouldn't shoot. And then afterwards, and this is really where the consulting came in because I was producing a lot of the content. I would have these wide ranging conversations with clients about how to use these assets we were building for them. And at one point, a client just said to me, you know, you should really charge for this. I was like, I never really thought of that. I just, I thought, I thought this was good customer good service. And so yeah. that, that got me started as a consultant. So I did, I consulted for some biotech firms with doing like video production, stuff like that. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for, a, you know, nine months or so. And then uh, where my, my real marketing more broad base kicked off was I was working with a publisher in Manhattan who needed me to come in to rebuild their content studio, which is what I, at that point, I'd kind of made a name for myself in doing. I'd done it before successfully at two other firms. And so that's kind of, I got headhunted by another consultant to come and do it for them. And that role, after we had, you know, it took six, nine months to rebuild the system. Afterward, they were like, well, what's next? What do we do next? 
And that's where I really started diving more into like data and marketing and strategy. And so for the remainder of the five years I was with them, that's really where most of my focus was, is like building better, you know, build, building better mousetraps essentially for marketing. Yeah, absolutely. When did the transition start to happen from, you know, consulting for other companies to kind of doing what you do now and the development of Growhouse? So Growhouse started in 2020, which is January of 2020, which I, I have to say is probably the best time in the world to start a business if looking back at it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, I say that jokingly, but it, half seriously, because what ended up happening is at, I, I had started it because I knew by the end of that year, prior to the pandemic or anything like that, that this consulting consultancy was coming to an end. It was just natural cycling out of, yeah. of that gig. And so as I was looking at it, I was like, well, I need something to fill my time. So I started this, you know, I'd had this idea of cooking in the back of my head and I just wasn't really sure about it. And I was like, well, now is a good time to do it because I can get, I can spend this year ramping it up and that way I can have a clean transition out. So I had started this with this idea of like kind of consulting slash fractional CMO slash a la carte marketing services. And I was kind of like piecing these things together and I was talking to a lot of potential clients and seeing what they needed and where the price was. But I was really struggling with the economics of it. I just couldn't, you know, it was just round peg, square hole kind of thing. But luckily, yeah. because work pretty much dried up for six months during the pandemic, I had a lot of time to kind of focus on it and preen it and, and, and you know, build something. When it came time to end that engagement and go out on my own, I just so happened to cross, uh, cross paths with two other marketers who were looking to build a very similar business. And so we decided, hey, why should we spend money against each other? Why don't we just work together? We're both at the kind of a similar stage. So they provided the funding to get us off the ground in exchange. I took a salary instead of a portion of the profits that I had some stability for, for my family, you know, kind of going out on this limb after having the consistent income for the consultancy. So fast forward, you know, three months, we have our first clients coming in. We have an unbelievable offer, which is that time unlimited marketing support for $99 a month, which no, we don't offer wow. anymore because that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy, but, bro. <laughs> insanity. But it worked, right? We closed tons yeah, and sure. tons of business. We proved that th there was a need here for affordable, not necessarily low cost, but affordable marketing support where it's just a business owner going, mm -hmm. I know I got to be on Facebook, but I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't want to hire an agency. What do I do? Yeah. Right. And that's our that's yeah. kind of our key, our, our key customer is you're not ready to hire an agency, but you, you're tired of doing it on your own. And you just need someone to kind yeah. of set you in the right direction so that you know that the time mm -hmm. and money you invest is actually going somewhere. It's not just going into the wood chipper of marketing never to be seen from again. For sure. Right. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the the that was the transition. And then earlier this year, I actually bought my partners out so that they could go and invest in some other projects. And wow. we had actually, we'd been called Crackle while I was with them. And so we, we brought the name Grow House back yeah. as part of the purchase. That's awesome. Nice. So how did, do you, do you guys still kind of run, obviously you don't have that $99 unlimited marketing product anymore, but is that still kind of the, the overall mission of the business is to work with business owners who are just like still in that same kind of place in their business where they're just like, we aren't ready to hire an agency, but we need support in some way. So we really serve three groups of entrepreneurs. We serve, we still have a $99 product, but it's group sessions. So, you know, if, if you were to sign up for the 99, mm -hmm. 
You get four times weekly group sessions that you can attend and ask questions and get support. You get access to a chat platform. We have uh, some like on on demand courses in the works that people will get access to later this year. So it's it's a very simple program. It's a very easy one for me to manage, but it still is for people who are just getting started who don't have the budget to hire me for one on one consulting. It's a great option for them, and I have a lot of really cool businesses in there that were just getting you know just getting started, and and I like in, investing yeah. time into those businesses because they're they're passionate, they're energetic, and that's the stuff that really fuels me. The other, uh-huh. the other uh, two businesses, the the I would say my kind of bread and butter client is clients that hit the ten to twenty k plateau in their business, and it's like it's kind of at that point where you have to start delegating, and that's where a lot of entrepreneurs have the hardest time. It's like, yeah, I'm great at this. Now, how do I take this and actually scale it to a point where I'm I'm making the big money? Like, yeah, I'm paying all my bills now, but what's you know where how do I grow mm-hmm. from there? So I do one on one consulting yeah. for that. And then the last service I do is for seven figure businesses and beyond. I do fractional CMO and COO work where it's essentially, hey, we're in a transition point. Our old CMO left. We're trying to bring someone new. We just need someone to kind of steer the ship for six months or a company that is kind of at that weird transition point where it's like we can afford to hire a marketer, but she's 22 and she doesn't really know what she's doing. And we just need someone that's kind of got their eyes on the wheel to make sure that we're not like being led astray by this person who's kind of new and we don't know, you know, where her skills are yet. Mm-hmm. So that's sure. the the service I provide the, the upper end. That's amazing. What yeah. this is kind of, you know, I don't know how off topic this is for kind of what you help businesses with, but I think it's an important question because I think it's a, a challenge that entrepreneurs at every stage struggle with, which is sales. How have you found opportunities and relationships for your own business? And what kind of advice do you have for business owners of a number of different industries who are looking to grow their, to grow their businesses, bottom line? So I think this, this could be something where we, we might, I wouldn't say an argument, but I think it could certainly foster discussion because I have, I have a very specific <laughs> kind of workflow that I take people through. It's the one that's sure. worked for me. It's worked for dozens of my clients. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty, I'm a pretty firm believer in it. And really, we start with crafting this this story, right? Because in order to sell anything, yeah. you have to have a good story about why you're in business in the first place. Otherwise, you just look like an opportunist. And this happens yeah. a lot inadvertently where someone starts a business because they're like, oh, there's a lot of money in it. But then they become passionate, right. but then they don't have that story. Well, even if you don't have it, you yeah. still need one. We still need to tell a story. So we start yeah. there. The mirror image of your story is your offer. And so that's the kind of the second place we work on. The next place is figuring out where that market is. So going through and really getting specific about who are you trying to sell this product to? And lastly, looking at the experience you're delivering. So those are kind of the four pillars that I walk people through. And the one thing I talk about constantly with my clients is strategy sequencing. So, you know, there's, there's all these different strategies out there for marketing But the problem is most people do them in the wrong order. Where I always start with in strategy is cold calling and cold emailing. Because what that's going to help me do is hone Mm. my offer, right? It's not going to cost me anything. Email lists are cheap. Phone call lists are cheap, right? That's the pick up the yellow pages if you don't want to pay for anything, right? Dial, you know, (laughs) dial for dollars, pitch 1,100 different ways. And after you have all that data, you'll be able to say, okay, when I say this, they close. When I say this, they don't. When I say this, they get really Mm -hmm. excited. When they say this, they seem bored. Once you have all that data and you have conversations and people are more importantly telling you what they need out of you, that's when you can really effectively craft your offer into a form of a landing page or an ad or anything like that. So I go from from that part to 
All right, now we have the offer, the landing page crafted. Now we're starting on paid media. And what most people, and I, I'm guessing you guys are, are probably the opposite of this, is like, no, you got to start with the content. You got to start with the content. The reason why I actually put content after the paid media is because the success of the paid media and those discovery calls you have in the initial is what's going to drive what the 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 content of the content is. So if right. you don't if you don't go through those first three processes, you could be just shooting in the dark. You might not have a great idea of what people are going to resonate right. with. So that's kind of the the that's strategy. A, that's a great point. Yeah, people. Yeah, that's, that's really I think without point. that process in place you're kind of shooting in the dark, like you said, but you're figuring it out in front of a group instead of a focus group. You know what I mean? Exactly. When you're doing those calls, you actually have a focused group of one audience member, most likely if it's a cold call, but that is a focused attention from a person that you're getting great feedback from. That is a great way to look at it. Well, and you're just, you're growing your audience every step, right? So you you start with the individual and then you go to a smaller group with some of the the paid strategies. And then you go to a larger group when you start pushing content out there. Because, I mean, we right. all know that awareness campaigns are a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, a lead campaign. So if you're looking at even mm-hmm. like going getting micro with it, it's like run the lead campaign right. first. Make sure the messaging works. Then start building the content. Then run the ca- content on awareness campaigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's honestly, that's really smart, honestly, just because of the fact that I mean, you're just dialing it in, right? Like, it's like, like you said, if you know, yeah. okay, people are biting on this, people like the bait is working, mm-hmm. then go produce more content like that. It's like, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that, that, that makes total sense. I don't know. Jo- our other John might've told you on y'all's call together that that's one thing that we actually, as an agency don't offer is paid advertising. And I don't think it's because we don't value it. It's because we don't have an expert in it. And so we've, we've tried to be really mindful of being good at what we're good at and, leaving the other areas for the people that are good at those things and not trying mm-hmm. to be like a, a master of all things, you know? Right. So, you know, it's great to talk to folks like you that are taking a totally different approach and it might even change the way we are handling our new customer relationships, right? Like, I think that's what's really valuable about podcasting in general is I get to meet a lot of people. Some would consider some of these people being my competitors, but for me, it's an opportunity to learn and grow mm-hmm. and improve my agency and my process. But it's also a great way for me to to build and and uh, create new partnerships with somebody like you who I could say, hey, I've got this new client. These are their goals. I could send them to you. You can support them on the, on the uh, digital marketing and ads efforts. And then hopefully they can kind of come back around and we can support them with podcasting or SEO or any of the other content, you know, kind of content marketing strategy. So that's really, that's really cool. Well, and that's, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, SEO is the thing we don't offer, right? It's, it's something that yeah. I know from being in marketing for as long as I have that you don't wing SEO. It's something that, you know, yeah, if no. you're going <laughs> to invest the money in yeah. doing it, invest the money mm-hmm. in doing it with someone that actually knows what they're doing. Don't just, you know, go mm-hmm. and wing it. I mean, there's plenty of great tools that will help you do base SEO. I mean, I, I just looked at Hike SEO and Librica mm-hmm. and SEO Crawler, and they're all really great tools sure. that you can use to get those kind of like the easy stuff done. But I mean, if if you're really looking to invest in an SEO strategy, you need to hire an expert. Same way as if you want to invest mm-hmm. in a paid media strategy, don't hire your you know 22 year old nephew to do it because you know unless unless yeah. he's a whiz at it and he's making a killing on right. Facebook, yeah. probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. not going to be the best person to run your campaigns. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's I mean, there's a lot of great tools out there, and I think that they have a place in business, and it's definitely mm-hmm. a way to at least kind of get the baseline for your business, especially if you don't have a marketing budget or you're not there yet. <clears throat> but at the same time. 
like you said, you've got to trust your experts, the people that have been doing it. You know, I don't know how long you've been doing this, but we've been doing it for in March. It'll be 10 years that we've been doing mm-hmm. marketing. And so it's like we've tested these things like we know what works. We know what doesn't work. We've spent our own money to fail. And when we tell you something or try to sell you something, it's not us just trying to make a buck. It's really mm-hmm. us trying to tell you, like, don't make the same mistakes we've made, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people forget just because we're a marketing agency does not mean we don't have to off. We don't have to do marketing for ourselves. Like I have failed equally as any other business owner out there in any other industry. I've, I've wasted money on paid ads. I've wasted money on SEO. I've wasted money on a million different website redesigns. If you yeah. don't get to like the overall type t- t- dialing in who your brand is and your customer and your persona and telling that story, mm-hmm. then nothing you spend money on is actually going to pay off. A hundred percent. I mean, it's the the thing I always think of is the the times that something has worked are certainly learning experiences. You you can say, okay, that's you know copy and paste. But the times when things don't work offer so much more information in terms of like why they didn't work, right? Because mm-hmm. you know if you have a if, if you have an ad that's clicking, it's almost harder to make that ad work better than it is to create a new ad. And make that ad work better because you're always looking at margins. You're always looking at like, well, did that did that really increase it or was it the time of year? Did it really increase it or was it that I increased the spending, you know, just this much and that b- bought me into kind of a new section of the audience? So it's really mm-hmm. hard to look at just your wins and and say like, oh, yeah, this is everything I've, I've learned from those that your losses are way more informative. And that's something I've always been really transparent with my clients with our own marketing is like, I have had ads that I have showed people before we've launched. This is the ad we're going to run. Here's the the philosophy behind it. Here's the psychology that I'm trying to put into it. And it'll fail. And people will come onto one of our group sessions or one-on-one. Hey, how'd that ad go? Terrible. Garbage. Just (laughs) nothing. Like 10 leads for a, you know, a hundred dollars, not a hundred dollars, thousand dollars or something crazy. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, that's that that happens sometimes, you know, so yeah. I always I always bring it as like if I can't be honest with my clients about how well these things work, how can I have them? How can I expect them to trust me when I go and say, oh, yeah, this is mm-hmm. the next thing to do. So there's been times when I've been right. There's been times when I've been wrong. I just try to make sure that they know, like if before they go and walk off the ledge, I go, hey, by the way, I've walked off that ledge a couple times. That's a ledge. You're not going to like what's at the bottom of that ledge, you know, yeah. Yeah. so. Yeah, I, I think that openness and honesty in marketing is something that's fiercely lacking with a lot of our yeah. oh, a hundred percent with a yeah. lot of our competitors. People, people, so oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, it bugs me a lot. It's like I don't want to sell to you just because you can afford to buy what I offer, or just right. because you're the next opportunity that's come my way. Like, if I can't truly help your business, like it's best that we don't work together because. Mm-hmm. The, the churn there is ridiculous. Like I don't, I want you to be a customer for the rest of the li- like the life of our relationship. You'd be a customer of ours, or you get so big that you're like, hey, bro, like we got it under control. We hired a whole marketing team in house. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Like that's perfect. Whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I do agree with you. I think that so many of our competitors and people in this industry are just looking for an opportunity to make a buck, and they're not actually yeah. focused on true curiosity and intent behind what they're doing and why why they're doing what they're doing. So, you know, I, I think I have a little bit of a loaded question for you. Mm-hmm. I think that as we talk about paid advertising and and that kind of that approach that you take, that is scary for a lot of businesses. People don't Mm want to spend their first marketing dollars on paid ads because it's kind of like going to Vegas, right? Like you inherently know that in the beginning of a paid ad campaign, Mm -hmm. that some of that money is there for testing, right? It's there to figure it out. And I think for a lot of business owners, 
they're more comfortable investing in things where there's like a very clear ROI or a very clear tangible deliverable where it's like, okay, I'm spending a thousand dollars, but I walked away with, you know, six podcast appearances. Okay, cool. Right. Like I know what I got. Maybe, maybe the value of those six podcast appearances weren't actually worth what the three leads off the thousand dollar ad campaign could have done for them. Right. So it's like a different ROI technically, if you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But I think perception a lot of times holds people up from making informed business decisions. What advice do you have for business owners coming into this new year that want to spend money on marketing? What what can you do to kind of alleviate some of those fears that they have around spending money on paid ads? So it's it's interesting hearing you describe that because that's actually the inverse of my experience. The reason why I started really? looking at paid media sooner is because I had a lot of people. I because again I was coming from it from the content world where like listen, paid sure. media is the last step. It's after you figure everything out, then you mm-hmm. do the yes. paid media. That's how I, had, I we have a roadmap still floating around that shows that's the roadmap we take clients on. The reality yeah. was, is the feedback I would get from clients is like, this is taking too long. Like, I want something mm-hmm. now. I want media. I want ads. I want the tangible you're talking about is the ad. They want that out in the marketplace. Right. And so it wasn't I didn't yeah. develop the strategy just based on the client, you know, pressuring me to do it. It just really made me think, listen, success is part reality, but it's also part what's going on in your mind, right? A failing marketing campaign can still feel successful if it's highlighted Mm -hmm. in the correct way, right? If I say, yeah, you did not get any leads from this campaign, but here's what we learned. We learned that this audience is not receptive to this message. We learned that that your average cost per acquisition is going to be at least this amount. We learned that $5 a day budget isn't going to cut it. We need to up that to $15 a day to really make a difference. So if you're able to frame that as a win, then people start feeling a lot better about it. And this is the problem with a lot of these, you know, fly-by-night paid media agencies. This is the part they get wrong. They just set it up and hope for the best and hope that the business owner isn't paying attention, right? Because there's plenty, and you know it as well as I do, there's some business owners that have their eyes off the wheel when it comes to their credit card. And so they will just, you know, hey, we're not going to email you as long as you don't email us. This thing will <laughs> yeah. run in the background. Hopefully it does what it's supposed to, you know. Yeah. So I think the the biggest thing I can say in terms of alleviating the, the fear is that, first off, the amount of time you have to wait. You know, everybody is kind of obsessed with this like 30 or 60 day window. But the reality is it doesn't have to be that long. Yes, that is how long it takes Facebook or TikTok to like analyze and optimize. But you're going to know well before that whether that ad's working as long as you're spending a decent amount of money. So instead, like whenever I tell people spend $50 a day, that like red flags immediately. Like, holy, I can't do that's That's crazy amounts of money. Like uh, $1,500 a month. Like, I can't do that. Yes. But if you only run that ad for 10 days, it's only $500. And at the end of the day, whether you're running... $500 across two months or 10 days, time is the only difference there. And it's the only thing I can't get more of. So I would rather spend $500 in 10 days and know my ad either works or doesn't and be able to switch for another next 10 days, than go and, and waste, you know, $5 a day plotting away. The other dirty secret Mm -hmm. that Facebook and TikTok won't admit is that when you have a very low budget, you get served to a different audience, Right. We all know this. If you've ever run paid ads, you don't get the primo if you're only spending five or ten dollars a day. You might get some people, you might get some traction, you might be able to prove that this is a good message. Mm -hmm. But if you want big, if you want clients coming in your funnel, 
you need to be spending 20, 30, mm-hmm. 40, $50 a day because that's when Facebook's going to be like, all right, their game, let's do this. Yeah. So I think that's the that's the first thing is like, don't be afraid of the the dollar per day. Look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to get results very quickly. Negative or positive, you're going to get results within 10 days and then you can rebuild from there, right? If it doesn't work, mm-hmm. wait 10 days, build something new. Yeah, yeah that's, it's actually funny that you countered. I'm glad, I'm glad you had a, an argument for that because it is something that like as a, as the agency owner, I've thought about, I'm like, okay, a website is really important. You need a nice website. There needs to be this good user experience or it needs to, it needs to be optimized for conversions, especially if you are running ads. But I have also experienced the fact that selling a website to a business, it's hard to prove the ROI of a website other than be able to say mm-hmm. like the phone's ringing and people are filling out forms. It's hard to prove ROI of a website as a whole. Paid ads, totally different, right? Like, hey, you spent a thousand, you spent a thousand bucks, you got five leads, three of those converted, those equated to X amount of dollars in revenue. Hey, it paid for itself, which means customer retention should, in theory, be higher. Because why would you stop pumping something that's delivering actual value, right? Whereas a website, eventually, you're kind of looking back and you're going, man, why are we paying, you know, three hundred dollars a month to have our website website maintained? Yeah. And it's like. You know, so you really have to have all of these pieces in place because if not, something's going to give, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's important to have a website. Yes, it's important to have a content strategy, SEO strategy. But I think that you're schooling me a little bit on leading with the paid ads. You you kind of alluded at it a little bit with the 30 30 to $50 kind of minimum per day. But like what is, you know, as businesses are listening to the show right now and they're thinking, okay, well, how much do I have to invest? Like what's the minimum amount I can put to ads to at least you know, get some feelers and test some things and see what works. You and I know both it's kind of loaded question because it depends on what industry you're in, right? Like if you're a accident injury in a major city, it's going to be a lot different than a plumber in a small town. But big picture, what would you say is like kind of the minimum marketing budget you should be committing to, to, to get into this? I mean, if we're, if we're just looking at budget for paid media and we're not talking about content costs or website costs or any of the other sure. accoutrement, I would say like $1,500 is a good place to start. Like $1,500 is $50 a day paid media every mm-hmm. single day. Like that's yeah. that's good. And also like the yeah. other thing you have to remember is you, you when you're first starting, you're not going to be spending $1,500 a month. You're probably going to be spending closer to $1,000, right. $700 because you're going to be testing stuff. You're going to be running multiple ads. You're going to be mm-hmm. trying to figure out exactly where you're at. I think the, the budget when we look broader at, at marketing in terms of like a percentage, I usually say 30%, right? So mm-hmm. 30 is for, for an early stage business, you know, obviously when you're post seven figures, you can spend less on marketing, right? You don't have to spend 30% sure. of your total budget. But when you're in that growth stage, 30% of the money you come in that, com- that comes in should be go right back out in some form of marketing, whether that's paying for your website, paying for paid media, you know, developing content, what have you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of what we try to tell people is like, you really need to be committing, you know, something in that ballpark, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I tell people that the average, average retainer is $2,500 a month. And, you know, 5,000 is kind of like the sweet spot for somebody who really is putting like a lot into play, pre, like pre obviously add, add dollars, depending on how large they are. But, you know, for a full, well-rounded social and blogs and SEO and web management and like just a full, complete strategy, 
you have to be willing to invest that. And part of that, I think, is sometimes just taking a self-assessment and saying, am I even ready to invest that kind of money yet in my business? Mm -hmm. If you're a, you know, a local artisan and you're doing, you know, uh, pop-up shops or farmer's markets on the weekend, you might just not be at the stage yet that you should be investing in that, right? And for and for those business owners, it looks different, right? The, the total strategy is different. Um, and same thing for a million dollar, you know, annual business. They're going to have a different approach to marketing as well. And so I think you kind of just have to evaluate you know, where you're at in your business and when it's the right time to invest. But at the same time, I think you, you can't you can't hang on forever not investing in yourself either. I think that that's mm -hmm. another thing I see business owners struggle with is that they just see the expense involved and they freak out and then they never yeah. make a decision. They never mm -hmm. invest. Do you, do you feel like you experienced some, something similar in your business? Yeah, I think there's... The... It's not just timing of investments, not when you're ready. It's what you're investing in, depending. And, and this is yeah, kind of what I was yeah. talking about, about strategy mm -hmm. sequencing. It's like you you brought up a website. I am a big proponent of if you don't have a good website, that is the first thing we need to fix because that mm -hmm. is your face online. Like, listen, we all want to believe Russell Brunson when he says, like, the website is dead and funnels are king. Because as Website's marketers, dead, funnels are king. Yeah, yeah. exactly. As marketers, that kind of plays to our strengths. We're like, all right, okay. That's that's sure, good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> but that's not how most people like to view a website, right? Funnels serve a specific mm -hmm. purpose. Yeah. Websites serve a specific purpose. Funnels aren't killing websites. Websites aren't killing funnels. And if you are a plumber, a funnel might be a great way to bring in leads for emergency services or once a year drain cleaning or those kind of offers that are they're concise. But sometimes people are just shopping because they moved into the area and they're trying to find a good plumber that's not going to gouge them, right? And the best mm -hmm. thing you can do to present yourself as a plumber is to have a nice, slick looking website that has tons of information, that has helpful tips, that has, you know, the phone mm -hmm. number clearly listed. So I always think of like when we're talking about whether you are that pop up shop business, start with the website because you don't mm -hmm. own yep. Facebook. You don't own your Facebook page. You don't own anything about that. Yep. And even though that's a lot easier than building a website, man, just there, there's there's free mm -hmm. website builders out there. It doesn't have to be the best looking website. It just needs to look somewhat professional and have information about how to contact you. What do you do? And, and those kind of, all of that kind of stuff. I think one of the things, you know, talking mm -hmm. with your colleague a couple of weeks ago that you guys do that I think is is re remarkable. And it's something I will I'll commend you <laughs> publicly on because it's something I oh, hate you. other web design <laughs> companies doing is you have a monthly uh, payoff scheme. For people who don't want to invest, you know, tons of money right up front, but at the end of the payoff scheme, they actually get to keep the website. And that you deserve a round of applause for because most web design companies I run into being in the business I'm in keep are it. trying to do permaleases on websites. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's only a hundred bucks a month. It's like forever. Yeah. Like, good luck forever. getting rid of us because yeah. the day you stop paying your website and everything on it goes away and you don't own any of it. Either, right. So don't try to rebuild it. So that's <clears throat> yeah. one of those things like I, I think, you know, talking about risks and people being worried about investing those first dollars, especially if you're at that early stage business. You need to own your website, whether you're paying it off over 12 mm -hmm. or 24 months or you're building it yourself or you're hiring someone on Fiverr to do it. It doesn't matter. You need to own it. You need to be in control of it because it's your, the number one yeah. asset. It is the new brick and mortar storefront. So I yeah, think absolutely. start there. And then the world is your oyster in terms of where to go next. I mean, if you're one of my clients, I'm going to push you to start doing paid media. If you are really great at creating content, content's a, a wonderful way for you to get organic traffic. 
I mean, have you seen that guy on TikTok, Keith Lee in Vegas? Yeah. He's blowing businesses. The guy that does the food reviews? Yeah. He's killing it, bro. Killing it. These businesses are like having to shut their doors because there's too many customers. Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So like, there is powering content. There's, I I would never dismiss it. But a lot of business owners I run into are not people that are going to create content. Right. I'm not even a big content no, right. creator. This yeah. is this is the kind of stuff I do to create content because I like having conversations. I like talking to people. Yes. Yeah. I do this. <laughs> I'm not there on TikTok yeah. like posting videos six times a day. That's not me. So yeah, that's, we, we that's try to do that for ourselves. And we're the same. Like, we have clients that we do it for and it's so easy for oh, us. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when we try to do it for ourselves, we're like, oh, like, this is <laughs> we're like but we, it feels forced. And that's why we like to podcast, too. It's like we're just having real conversations with real people about mm-hmm. things that they are using to see growth in their business. And we're talking to agency owners like you who are giving us like really deep value and like really kind of resetting our mindset around like the right approach, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. thank you for uh, making sure that people didn't think websites are dead because it's a big part of what we do around here. Yep. Uh, Gotta take care but, of them. Uh, but absolutely, right? you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But this is, this is really cool. So obviously you're, you're like a data guy, right? So yeah. how would you say that market research and analysis can help inform like all of the marketing efforts that people are approaching, whether it's websites or paid advertising, like how important is that data to business growth? So I think there's there's two types of data, right? There's hard data, which is your KPIs, your metrics, like, you know, Google Analytics, all that kind of stuff. But the thing I am more interested in is the soft data. It's the stories, it's the mm-hmm. anecdotes, the testimonials, it's the people that says, you know why I called you? Because of X. Right. And I get those a lot on my own ads. I have clients that get that a lot. And what I tell people to do is you keep a notepad next. And every time someone says something, write down the exact words. I've even gone so far as to record every single call I'm ever on. So whether it is a prospect call or a client call, I record every single one. I have them transcribed and recorded. They're, They're available for everybody. Right. So anybody can go back and listen to them. But I do that because so often someone will let out a little nugget of like, oh, I was so frustrated with this. I can't believe you were able to like, you explain that so well in like 30 seconds. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, that's that's something, right? So I, what I do mm-hmm. is I have a sheet that I've built and I write down stated problems that they have, like stated pain points, what their desires are, what, what are the, the end goals that they're really hoping for, what their expectations were of what I would do or what someone else in marketing would do for them. And what their response was once we started seeing results, right? So like one, the, the thing that really got me excited about this marketplace, this, this market, the small business market was I had a client one time say, I can finally send my daughter to her first choice school. And I was like, holy crap. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's life changing. That is generationally life changing. Yeah. Like that girl will get a better yeah. education now because I helped this guy tweak a bunch of stuff on his website and his social media and all this stuff. And now his business is flourishing and now he can take care of those people he take, takes, you know, he has to take care of. So I, I, I'm really, that, that's just what really excites me about, about that market. And those kind of stories are what I always look for when I'm building my own ads. And it's how I teach people to write their ads and their offers is by looking at those pains, those desires, those outcomes mm-hmm. uh, and using that language, using the exact same language that they're using. And I've done that in several campaigns and just about every one hits because I'm using things that I've, it's, it's not hard research. It's not like I have, you know, it's, oh, 0.2.5% of all respondents said this. It's nothing like that. It's just, 
you hear something yeah. over and over and you're like, that's important to people, yeah. right? Sending their kid to mm -hmm. college is an important outcome. Sending, um, making sure that they have enough money saved up for retirement is an important outcome. Uh, the, their pain is that they don't understand Facebook or they know they should be creating video, but they're scared of being on camera. Like all of those things are really important right. data points. And so that's how yeah. I craft all my stuff. I just, I have that sheet and I write stuff down constantly. And then over time, as ideas kind of put themselves together on that sheet, I'm like, all right, that's my new concept. That's my new offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's this other thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of like this, um, I don't know if you call it like a theory or like a technique, but the five whys where you like keep asking why, why, why to yeah. kind of get to the bottom of like the actual root of an issue. But like I, I found myself in a discovery meeting yesterday with a screen printing facility here in Houston that's looking to improve their website. And it was so cool because I... I I went into that meeting with like that, like just like top of mind. So I'd read a book and they had mentioned it again. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's, that's cool. And so I really, I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that approach in this, this discovery call and just kind of see how it goes. And it was really compelling to see just like where the conversation went, right? From mm -hmm. we need a website because it's just really outdated to, well, our website's outdated. And so we're not getting more leads. Well, our website's not outdated and Q1 is always slow to, we just had to let one of our graphic designers go. It was like, Oh, so there it is. Yeah. Like if you guys don't make an improvement to your overall online presence, mm -hmm. your your search engine strategy, your website, like if you don't come up to speed, you guys are going to have to continue to let people go. And your business is not only going to, you know, mm -hmm. be stagnant, it's just, it's eventually going to fail, you know? And that for me was like pretty powerful to just kind of like, and, and it's more than me hearing it because it's like, yes, it's important for me to know their why and like why I'm doing what I'm doing with them. But it's more important that for them to understand like, I want them to truly see, like, what are the potential consequences of not making a difference in your business, like, or making a change in your business? Like, oh, we've been doing things this way forever. So, like, we just don't want to change it. Well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, there's there's definitely a time to kind of start implementing change. So, I think that that's what's most fun about this podcast specifically is we get to share new creative ways that people can do this. I love your approach and your take mm -hmm. on leading the way you lead. I think that I have to have a secondary conversation with you which i think we're gonna have soon <laughs> about that so that's that's exciting we like to leave every episode with mm -hmm. a growth hack so I, I want you to come up with one completely on your own but i've got one that i'm going to kind of lead a little bit for you okay so the the leading one is what is the top marketing tool you plan on using in 2023 do you, do you have one you could share with us yeah, so we became a high-level agency, and I would say probably high-level for for the the time being is is I just think there's so much potential there. The pricing makes so much sense for agency owners. Like it's just the only other platform in the market right now, and I'll give them a shout out because it's a good platform too. It, it's just a little newer. Is FlowTrack? I mean, I think both of those have incredible potential. I am mm -hmm. I full disclosure, I'm a HubSpot partner. So you'd, you'd expect me to say HubSpot. But the yeah, reality is yes. most of my clients yeah. aren't yeah. hub. I would say they're not HubSpot worthy in terms of where their marketing budget is. Like, let's face it, sure. guys, HubSpot is not cheap. It's not. No. It's it's the Big Bugatti. Yeah. So yeah. a lot a lot <laughs> of businesses I serve don't don't have that budget. But, you know, high, high level is a fantastic tool. And we're actually providing it free to all of our clients. So we're not even charging wow. for it because I, I just believe that having a good CRM and having a, a, a significant or a substantial automation system, which High Level provides, is really just, it's a key. And it just makes my life easier because now instead of having to learn HubSpot and Zoho and Marketo and all of these other platforms, I can say, nope, 
you're, you're a client of mine now. This is what we're going to do because this is this is why it's going to be better. And and we're going to set you up. Mm. It's going to be free. You're going to save money. Um, it's just a great, great tool. That's really cool, man. Yeah, that's uh, it's funny that you mentioned high level because we we just got back from podcast movement, you know, a few months back at the end of last year in Dallas. And we came across this agency owner there who told us about high level. And it was the first time I'd ever heard about it. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, I knew I was like, I usually feel pretty informed about like the latest, you know, technology and like, you know, trends. And I was like, what the heck is this dude talking about? And then now for you to say it, tw- you know, a second time, I'm like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should spend more time actually learning about the the benefits of the product. So you and I will definitely have to have a secondary conversation about that. So yeah. appreciate you sharing that one. And then uh, why don't you just leave us with something unsolicited? What is a piece of business growth hack advice you have for our listeners? Okay. So let's categorize this under the cold email kind of strategy. And I'll, Ooh, nice. I'll give it. you a okay, couple. Need that. So the first thing is, you know, cold email is key when you're, when you're a new business and you don't have a big marketing budget. You don't have that. Like that's, that's how you're going to, you're going to get probably your most business is by doing some form of cold call or cold email. What I have found really successful in those is uh, three things. First is hyper short emails that cut straight to the point and don't talk anything about you, Uh but ask a very specific industry insider question. I've done this with certain clients and they've gotten up to 40% response rates on on, on this strategy. And so an email essentially reads like this. This this is actually, I'm going to try to recite from memory the one that got the 40% response rate. It was, um, hey, Dave, we're hearing from a lot of other breweries that the CO2 shortage is hitting them hard. How are you doing on your CO2 stock? That was it, right? Mm, super casual. Super casual. Yeah, yeah. And that that one email opened up a can of worms for that business in terms of the the responses they were getting and people going like, oh, no, I got, I'm, I'm good. I'm plenty. Qualifying themselves out. No, I'm really, I'm really stressed. Do you have any extra? And people start having yeah. those conversations. So that's the first one. The second one is sending out, again, hyper short emails with a message that's something to the extent of, hey, I hate writing emails, so I record a video for you instead. And then doing an actual personalized video, not one of these like fake AI, like, you know. Yeah, those are awful. No, they're terrible. Yeah. yeah. Seriously <laughs> sitting down and saying, hey, John, uh, or, or hey, Andrew, I was looking at Beefy Marketing, uh, you know, really excited about the, the, what you guys are doing. I'm wondering if you would be willing to jump on a quick call. I have something really cool to show you, right? Again, not hitting mm-hmm. people with a sales pitch, not like just being complimentary, saying, you know, leading with some element of curiosity. And, 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 and using that as kind of a trigger to push people over the edge and be like, mm-hmm. yeah, why not? This guy took some time out to record this, this video for me. Let's see what he has to say. And the third thing that I'll leave you with, and this is, I, I think it's such a devious, devious strategy that I, I, I just, <laughs> it, I came, I came across it recently it. and I don't, I wrote the, the girl back that sent me this email because I was like, this is the most devious email I've ever read in my life. So she sends me this email <laughs> and it says, Hey Drew, here is the copy of the, it was like the email calendar for 2023. Just thought you might find it valuable. By the way, haven't caught up with you lately about, and then XYZ, whatever business she's in, would love to grab some time on your calendar. Hope all's well. And like, the, the, the sneaky part about that is first off, she gives me something immediately of value. Like I open it up and it's this super valuable document that's talking all about like best times to send email. And it's just hyper valuable. Serious time went into developing this. 
And then she she goes and ta- says, like, haven't had time to catch up, which in my mind thinks, oh, I know this person. This is someone I've seen. That's why they're yeah, sending exactly. me this. They right. thought I'm interested. And then I get to the bottom of the email and I read her name and I'm like, I don't know you. I just got played. I, I was about to reach out and be like, Crystal, thank you so much for sending and thinking of me. And I'm like, I'm falling right into this bait. So I love that strategy. Yeah. And I emailed her back, but I'm thinking maybe she's not a real person because she didn't respond. I was very calm. I was like, this is the crazy. Like, I don't even know if this is safe for human consumption. Like, this is uh, this is right, too powerful. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that approach. And it's so simple. <laughs> we all can do it. You don't have to be a great copywriter, mm-hmm. but it's just that assuming, right. uh, assuming that you know each other already. It really does. It, it works. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. I really do. I think that that's uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. I think I'll share one more. I'll, I'll share one more tool as well. I would say to, to kind of piggyback off your emails there would be a, use a use a tool like Loom, L-O-O-M. Yeah because that makes it really easy to create those quick screen share videos. And mm-hmm. I think for most people, most marketers, most sales reps, it's a lot easier to talk than it is to like type up some formalized email. Yeah. And so, yeah, Loom is a free tool you can just download right on your browser. And uh, we're not sponsored, but if they want to sponsor us, hey, bring it on, we'll take it. I will, um, you know, I think it's a great way to create these videos. The, uh, the tool I've started using for it is Hippo Video. And if you're familiar with AppSumo, it, they oh, have yeah. a lifetime deal for it right now. And it's a pretty good platform. I've gotten a couple of these over the years, and this one's pretty uh, pretty robust. So if you guys gotten a, an, an AS affiliate link, uh, you know you might be able to get some uh, sales from. Okay. That. Okay, good. So is it worth the uh, it's it's worth the AppSumo deal, right? Yeah, I would say so. It's it's a good it's a good platform. I mean, right. you know, if you're gonna if you're really gonna mm-hmm. invest in video at scale, I I don't really see a lot of other platforms that have as many features as this one does. It has built in teleprompter. It has you know gotcha. like kind of a CRM functionality. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. Huh. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode. And man, this, Drew, this conversation was just impressive. Seriously. <laughs> it was like, real. A lot of, <laughs> lot of value, a lot of value, a lot of gold nuggets. And I look forward to continuing some conversations. Before you guys know it, Beefy Marketing is going to be powered up with these guys maybe offering you guys some paid advertising. But, bef- but I guess until then. How can people support you? How can they find you? How can they follow you? So you can find us online, growhouse.org, G-R-O-H-A-U-S. It's the Pennsylvania Dutch spelling. So uh, we are from uh, a firm mm-hmm. from Pennsylvania, uh, Dutch country. So that yeah. we, we got to, uh, you know, hail to our roots. But uh, right. the other other ways, you, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, Drew Donaldson, uh, Growhouse PA on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram is just grow.house. But I think the best way to connect with me is if you're a small business owner and you just need some advice, you need some clarity, you can go to my website, book a free session with me. It's right there at the top. So I look forward to meeting with you guys. All right. Later, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.